Hello. Any? How have you been? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been to Atlantic City? My parents have. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but I have not. No, I know it's the Vegas of the the East Coast. It is apparently. That's what they say. It's a town where anything can happen, and often does. Yes. Um, but I myself, would I go there? Hell no. No, I wouldn't either. I would probably just go to the Vegas of Vegas. Yeah. Trump uh, bankrupted a casino there. Oh, yeah. 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 It's hard to do, but, you know, he can make anything he's a, happen. He's the man for the job. Yeah, he could make it happen. Now... It sounds dirty and like windy. Yeah. I, that's my image of it. It sounds like the kind of place that uh, Bon Jovi would sing about. <laughs> or maybe Bruce Springsteen sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, about like getting in his car and riding all night to Atlantic City just to feel something. You know, something <laughs> like that. He's going to bet on a... Yeah, he's going to ride to Atlantic City. He's going to bet on uh, some Baccarat, and uh, he's going to win a, a man's wife. <laughs> I will say that it's interesting that one of the main conceits of this film overlaps with a Doris Wishman film that we've watched semi-recently. Yeah, the the love toy. Yes. Yes. Uh, but things go a bit different here, so not complete overlap. No, it's got a similar... Uh, they have a similar idea. Yes. Uh, and that's about it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, welcome to the Raincoat Report. This is Boss here with Jeremy. Hello. And we will be your travel guides today as we go to Atlantic City for Climax! And lobster rolls. I assume they have them. It's a city on the coast, right? I'm sure they have lobster rolls. They got casinos. I can't have it. No. <laughs> But um, that's if I was telling people, if I was a tour guide, I would be like, oh, this is where you get all the best lobster rolls. <laughs> I'm just trying to think about what my life would be like if I was a tour guide in Atlantic City. Well, you'd have to try to stay away from the lobster rolls. You could tell people about them. What's the Atlantic City crime rate like? Probably not great. Let's see. Annual average annual violent crime rates are about eight per one thousand residents. Okay, as crimes occur, it doesn't imply doesn't imply all of Atlantic City sketchy. That's what it says. I think this is written by an AI. Okay. I think most things are written by AI now. When you Google anything. Yeah, you can't really believe anything you read anymore. <laughs> no, I saw that. Uh, like the AV club even is using like AI uh, written stuff and then just having it like edited by like humans. Yeah, that sounds right. That's uh, it seems bad. Yes, it does. Seems like a problem. But a problem for people who aren't me. Yeah, they'll never be able to. They could never AI us out of a job. No, because no one wants to do this. <laughs> Not even the computers. Yeah. So the computer from Johnny Frankie loves Johnny would throw a fit. Oh yeah. It would set off the nukes if it had to do this. <laughs> It'd go from Frankie and Johnny were lovers to war games real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Frankie and Johnny war lovers. <laughs> but today's film though is did you say it already? Climax. Yeah. With does, an exclamation point. It does have an exclamation point. You gotta yell it. Uh, from 1985, directed by the one and only Henri Pichard. Yes, uh, director of such hits as Public Affairs. Uh, yes. The Devil and Miss Jones Part 2 and Mascara. Yes. All films we've covered. Uh, we might have watched something, another two or so. Oh, he did Showdown as well, which was not great. Yeah, that was uh, not his best work. Um, but it was Matt May Idol. Oh, yes, of course. There was uh there were several. He's got some, you know, I think we can just say he's got some heat under his belt. He does have quite a lot of heat under his belt. He was making films until 2008. 
he had a workhorse. He had quite a run. I'd imagine that his attention to detail probably slipped over time I when could, he started making like eight films a year. That would probably, you know, that'll happen to anyone. Right. But, uh, you know, he does good work and, uh, he did some good work here and we'll get into all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, in addition to the director being Henri Pichard, we do have some pretty solid, uh, we do have a pretty solid cast here. Amongst them, we have, uh, the one and only Eric Edwards as Charlie. Yeah, Charlie Bartlett, which is also apparently a movie. Oh, yeah? From like 2007. It has nothing to do with this character, unfortunately. Oh, that's a bummer. It has nothing to do with selling your wife into <laughs> sex slavery either. Uh, I think it's... I don't know what it's about. It sounds incredibly boring. Fair enough. It, it's Charlie Bartlett. I may as well watch Michael Clayton or Barton Fink. <laughs> Uh, alongside Eric with the, uh, other gentlemen here, we have Joey Silvera and George Payne. Uh, and for the ladies, we have Kelly Nichols, Rhonda Joe Petty, Cody Nicole, who I don't recall having seen before, but she's in a prominent role here. Yeah. If we see her again, we'll know. Uh, Renee Summers, uh, Tish Ambrose, Tyja Ray, mm -hmm. and Sharon Kane, who we've yes. seen three weeks in a row now. Yeah, she's our big, if she's our big winner. Um, yeah, it was like when we saw Kevin James like three weeks in a row. Yeah, we sometimes we'll get a streak. Like we had Jamie Gillis like several weeks in a row. Like sometimes in a small part, but yeah, you know sometimes you just hit a streak. And this week the streak belongs to Sharon Kane. Sharon Kane, come on down and claim your prize. <laughs> I'm going to start uh, emailing porn stars that they have a prize waiting for them if they appear in three or more movies in a, within a span. <laughs> three or more movies that we cover in whatever random order we're doing things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Climax includes a, a trip to Atlantic City, some major wagers being placed. And uh, a lot of sucking and fucking amongst people who don't always need to be sucking and fucking, at least by the rules of society. Like gay people? What are you trying to say? No, just... <laughs> <laughs> Boss doesn't think they should be able to suck and fuck. No, I mean more married people sucking and fucking people that their uh, partners don't know about. Yeah, I guess that could cause... That could be cause for problems. Yes. Well that be a cause for concern in this film we'll have to see okay so yeah climax another Henri pachard joint yeah he does call them joints i remember he would say that in yes. interviews and uh you know he got it from spike lee yes so he didn't start using it till like the early 90s late 80s um <laughs> but that's what he started calling them after that yeah, by the time he made it to 2008's Barely Legal Troublemakers. Yeah, by the time he did 1995 Screw the Right Thing, <laughs> he was calling them Henri Pichard joints. Uh, 2004, he made Bang My White Tight Ass 17. Bang My Wife's Ass Please. <laughs> oh, that'd be good. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to get into porn. 2005, Captured for Cocktees. That one sounds fun. These don't sound as detailed or, uh, like, thematic. Oh, so... they do sound thematic, but they don't sound, like, cinem cinematic. Uh, he directed Bang My White Tight Ass 4, 15, and 17. He just wasn't. They had scheduling conflicts for the other like thirteen films. I, I guess so. And uh, he also directed only Chokers and Gaggers six. None of the others in the franchise. I guess it really that might not be his thing, you know. <laughs> Perhaps, but anyway. <laughs> it's bills to pay. Uh, but yeah, Henri Pichard. It's time for climax. So uh, you know. It's the sexual summit. Don't forget your raincoat. No. 
That's not it. Oh. Well, we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> we're going to put away our raincoats, and then we'll be back to talk a little bit more about Climax. No, so repeat that for the listeners at home. Oh, you said you loved Hitler and that he did a bunch of good stuff. <laughs> that is not what I said. <laughs> uh, no, this IMDb review for today's film says, um, it just says Joey Silvera is a man you love to hate. Yeah, no. Yeah, I fi- like I said, I find him pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. He's a he's a fun guy. He's fine. Uh, I mean, I don't know him personally. Yeah. Maybe he'd be a total dickhead in real life, in which case, I, sure. In that case, I wouldn't love to hate him. I think I would just hate him. Yeah, I guess that's true, too. He's not like a bad guy. You know, you're not like, Rrr. he's like, oh, you know, I love hating this guy. He does so much stuff and it makes me mad. He's <laughs> like, man, this guy sucks. Yeah, I you guess only, that's true. The only way there's a man you can love to hate is if there's maybe some like distance between you all. Yeah, you know? I guess that's true. If a man you hate is near you, you probably just hate him. Yeah, I guess so. And you wouldn't want to be near him very long. So Life's uh, complicated when you speak of villains, but I don't think Joey Silvera is a villain nonetheless. I don't find him to be villainous at all. If anything, he's got like a he's got like a helpful, like hick kind of vibe to him, you know? Yeah. He's got that uh an all-American pervert kind of look. Yeah, and we appreciate him for that reason. Yeah, we're never going to call him a man we love to hate. We're going to call him the man we love to love. Didn't we, in an early episode, uh, refer to him as being dead when yeah, he wasn't I, actually? He's not actually dead, and as far as I know, has not died yet. Yeah, at least according to IMDb, he has not yet passed. Well, good. Um so, everyone send a little love today to Joey Silvera. His last performance uh, as an actor was in 2015, oh. where he was in Strap Some Boys 5. Boys with a Z. Strap Some Boys? Yeah, I'm not sure if that's a strap-on thing or a spanking thing. I don't know. It could go either way. Maybe it's got a little bit of everything in it, just for fun. Perhaps. Uh, the tag on IMDb is strap on dildo and femdom and anal sex. So well, that answers that. That answers that. Well, you want to get me to climax? We got to reach it. Okay. I guess let's go ahead and get head toward that climax. So <laughs> let's go ahead and slip it in. Oh boy. Climax opens on some shots of the freeway by Atlantic City and some shots of the Atlantic City beaches and boardwalk areas as we get our title card and credits. We pan up an outside shot of a hotel tower and then cut inside to see a group of men playing cards with a little bit of female company, the Atlantic City ladies of the night. Yes. Here we see Charlie Bartlett, played by Eric Edwards. Those are just regular ladies in Atlantic City. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) All the ladies come out at night in Atlantic City. I think there's a... a, uh, Oh my god. I forgot his fucking name. The other one who's not Frank Sinatra. Uh, Tony Bennett. uh, Dean. 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 Dean Kane. No. Yeah, there's a Dean Martin song yeah. about that, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> about how all the women at night come out in Atlantic City. Okay. You know? Yeah. It's... There's a song about it called The Freaks Come Out at Night. Yeah, that was by Dean Martin. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Charlie is on the phone and getting a busy signal as he's trying to place a call. 
And we cut to the other end of that where there's a phone off the hook and Anne, his wife, played by Cody Nicole, is uh, bound to a bed upright and uh, gagged as Bob, played by Joe Santini, is uh, fucking her, pounding her from below. He ungags her and starts to untie her. Anne asks what he's doing, pointing out that it's still early. Bob asks her what she's talking about, and Anne tells him that that wasn't very good. (laughs) Bob tells her that Charlie could be home at any moment, and he doesn't function well under pressure. Bob tells her they need to do it at his place in the future. She calls him a coward and asks if he ever takes risk. He says it's just not worth it. So we see Charlie back in the hotel room with the other guys. He hangs up the phone and rejoins the card game. Then we cut back to Anne sucking Bob's cock. Anne starts to dirty talk Bob as she mounts his cock cowgirl. She tells him he's going to get harder and harder as he hears Charlie coming home. and They'll have to be quiet as he walks in uh, and his cock keeps thrusting inside of her. At the card game, the men are still chatting. Anne is still riding Bob's cock, and then he fucks her from below a bit. Back at the card game, we see the guys playing hands, and then we cut to Bob pulling out and stroking his cock to finish with a big load on Anne. She tells him that that was much better. They hear a car outside, and Bob jumps up, scared, saying that he must be home. But Anne now admits that Charlie's out of town. Bob's pretty bothered that she didn't tell him this before, but Anne adds that Bob was so much more passionate thinking otherwise. But at the card game, we rejoin things as some people are leaving for the night. But there's a hand being played by Doc, Joey Silvera, Mm -hmm. the man you love to hate. Yeah. Uh, He's challenging Charlie to call a $500 bet. Charlie offers an IOU and his watch, but... Doc says that an IOU doesn't mean anything, and he's not a pawn shop. Charlie begs to have a chance to win some of his money back. Doc tells him that he has to put up something important. So Charlie then offers his wife a knife, a night with his wife to match the $500 bet. It's not that much. No. So off your wife. I mean, well... It's for a night, and it is. There has been quite a bit of inflation since '85. There was indecent exposure, or no, indecent proposal. Yes, indecent exposure is something else we've covered. Right, but this was that wasn't a degenerate gambler. Yeah, that was like Richard Gere or Robert Redford or one of those ha- those pretty boys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he could. It was a much more high class affair. Oh yeah. Yeah, this is just... This is some seedy Atlantic City random motel room Yeah, this is Joey Silvera in a poker game, buying your wife. Yes. Maybe that's why he's the man you love to hate. Yeah. He lowballs you on your wife. (laughs) Doc sits and considers this offer, and then asks Charlie to show his cards. Actually, Doc didn't even make this deal. It was Charlie who made the deal. Okay. He is the one who put this all up, and it all comes back to him just being a degenerate gambler and having nothing left to bet. Gambling is um, it's not good. No, especially for Eric Edwards. Yeah, I don't get into much of it. So Doc sits and considers this and then asks Charlie to show his cards, agreeing to his bet. Charlie has four of a kind, nines. Of course, four of a kind is one of the best hands you can have. Unfortunately, as Charlie reaches in to gather his chips, Doc unveils his hand. Four of a kind, but queens. Mm. Queens are bigger than the nine? Yes. Wow. Doc asks what Charlie's wife's name is, and Charlie tells him Anne. Doc asks for Charlie's address, adding that he'll be there one week from tonight. Charlie says he can't be serious, but Doc says a bet is a bet. So Doc then hands the two ladies in the room a stack of cash and tells them to treat Charlie well. Charlie asks himself what he's done, and the ladies tell them it's not a big deal. One says, what's one fuck in a lifetime of fucking? So 
these unnamed uh, prostitutes yeah. are Sharon Kane and Carol Cross. Congratulations, Cheryl Kane, for Karen Kane. Sharon Kane. Cheryl Kane. <laughs> Sharon Kane. Um, do characters never get a name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then we cut to Dr. Elliot. Uh, played by George Payne. He's getting blown as he's sitting on a toilet. And then another woman runs up and says, Please, Dr. Elliot, I want to get fucked too. Oh, wait. I fucked this all up. Those were not the prostitutes' names. Prostitutes don't have names. So, uh, yeah. So... These ladies with Dr. Elliot are played by Sharon Kane and Carol Cross. Yes. And are unnamed. Yeah. We've been over that. But these are not the same people I'd identified. I don't... It's hard to keep some of these characters straight, okay? Yes. Because this guy has just dropped in with no introduction at all. So Carol continues to blow Dr. Elliot as Sharon makes out with him and plays with herself. Carol, Sharon. You can see where I got Cheryl from. Sharon pushes down on Carol's head as she continues to blow Dr. Elliot. Back in Charlie's room. Oh, yeah. Isn't all this happening on a toilet? Yeah. George Payne? Yeah. yeah. Is this a Blumpkin? Uh, perhaps. Could be Could be Blumpkin. We need to hear some, like, plopping sound effects. We should have <laughs> just overdubbed some in. Like in uh, the Pink Ladies? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh man, George Payne's dropping a bunch of stinkers and Sharon Kane just has to smell it. <laughs> he's probably also doing a little number one if he's anything like me when he's doing his number two. You yeah, know? you got to do a little bit. He's a little push out, you know. All that stuff's situated in such a way that I think, you know, it's touching. Yeah, you're relieving pressure. It's going to come out everywhere. It's going to just spurt. So yeah, back in Charlie's... It's going to pop. <laughs> So, yeah, back in Charlie's room, he's with the two prostitutes here who are Leslie, played by Rhonda Joe Petty, and Linda Liu, played by Renee Summers. Boss, don't be so Rhonda Joe Petty about things. Charlie tells them that he needs to call his wife. Nothing. Meanwhile, the ladies with Dr. Elliot team up to suck his cock together as they play with themselves. Carol leans her head back and sucks on his balls a bit and then licks his ass. Yeah. Yeah, she's kind of like Spider-Man kissing his balls. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they finish Dr. Elliot off, and Carol says that she wants to get fucked in the bathtub, but Dr. Elliot tells them that there's no time. His wife will be home soon. They ask if his wife wants to join them. Dr. Elliot adds that he has to give a speech in 20 minutes, so the ladies decide, noting that they smell like cum, that they're going to take a bath. Wait, his wife's going to be home soon? Yes. And he has to give a speech in 20 minutes yes and they're going to take a bath yes none of this is adding up like time wise yeah i don't know how's he gonna get to wherever he's taking a speech from his house in 20 minutes it seems unlikely i don't know he might just be making up stuff to try to get rid of them if maybe if they're prostitutes they should just go when you tell them to i think well these aren't the prostitutes these are just some hot ladies these are the ladies that are maybe patients of his once again, they don't introduce him, so it's kind of hard to tell what he's doing. Right. Uh, to who? Like, what their profession is, but they're just some hot ladies, I guess. Yes. Okay, I was under the impression, I think, that they were prostitutes as well. Yeah, they, I don't know. They have a weird scene later on in the film mm -hmm. that we'll get to. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we don't have much of a choice. Yes. So, we cut to Charlie in bed with the two hookers. Uh, the phone rings, and Charlie shushes them and answers it. It's Anne on the other end, and Charlie asks Anne who she was talking to for three hours. She responds that she just had the phone off the hook while she and her lover made love. Of course, saying this sarcastically, even yeah. though that was actually what happened. Right, yeah, that's, that's irony. She asks if he had done any business, and Charlie tells her that he'll tell her when he gets home but notes that it's hard to sell Bibles in Atlantic City. Yeah. Um, 
Why is this man making big bets on a Bible, a door-to-door Bible salesman's salary? Yeah, I don't know. Um, well, he's a degenerate. That's what we've gotten to. Yeah. He's just not a good decision maker. Interesting. Uh, he has all these Bibles, but he can't sell them. Because his country's gone down the, the tubes. <laughs> yes. In the old days, he would have been sold out before he ever got to Atlantic City. Yep. And he would have strayed away from the path of sin. <laughs> but instead, he strayed directly into it. Yeah. So we cut to Dr. Elliot with those two ladies, and uh, he's giving Sharon Kane the pile driver while Carol leans in to play with him. Yeah, I don't think we've seen a pile driver in a bit. Or if we have, I don't remember it, but um, it's good to always bring that technique back and to uh, just consider the uh, logistics of it. Yes, it's, uh, it's a brutal... Thing to do, but you know, if you're George Payne, sometimes you got to do it. Yeah. Back in Charlie's room, as Leslie is riding Charlie's cock, Linda Lou is ordering bottles of champagne from room service, which Charlie tries to tell her that he can't afford. As Leslie continues to ride Charlie's cock, Linda Lou licks Charlie's balls from behind. In Dr. Elliot's room, he's eating Sharon out, and then Sharon gets in doggy position and he slaps her ass with his cock <laughs> for quite a while as uh, Sharon and Carol suck each other's breasts. We then see Dr. Elliot stroking his cock and finishing on Sharon's ass. Carol licks and sucks his cock a bit more. Back in Charlie's room, Leslie and Linda Lou are taking turns sucking his cock. Leslie strokes... Charlie's cock with her hand and breast for a bit. They continue to stroke and suck for a while before Linda Lou mounts at reverse cowgirl. And I don't, since they're both kind of cutting back and forth, I don't quite remember, but in one of these scenes, there's an obvious fan going because you see like their hair blowing to the side oh. at some point. <laughs> uh, just, I guess, to keep them cool. It's a good call. It gets hot under those lights, you know? Well, both of these men, Eric Edwards and George Payne, are known to be quite sweaty in some of their sex scenes. Yeah, so. you don't, the ladies probably don't like getting all slimy. Yeah. You fucking George, uh, fucking Eric Edwards, it's like fucking like a newt, or like a salamander. It's a little <laughs> wet all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Linda Lou bounces hard on Charlie's cock as he's fingering, as she's fingering Leslie. Leslie eventually falls over and lays in front of Linda Lou, who fingers her as she continues to as she continues her hard ride. Leslie eventually demands to fuck him and gets on top of Linda Lou in a 69 position, which leads to Charlie fucking Leslie doggy style as Linda Lou licks and manually stimulates Le- Leslie's clit as Leslie eats out Linda Lou's pussy. Charlie pulls out and Linda Lou sucks his cock hard before he puts his cock back inside Leslie and fucks her more. He yells that he's going to come and he pulls out and Linda Lou finishes him off, stroking him onto Leslie's ass and onto her face. Leslie tells Charlie, welcome to Atlantic City. Yep. We cut back to Dr. Elliot with his two ladies. There's a knock at the door and he tells the ladies, shh. We see that outside is Kelly Nichols playing Mrs. Elliot. She's knocking on the door and calling for Howard, which is Dr. Elliot's name. Howard, Howard. She yells for him to help Are her with the packages with those girls she's again? <laughs> She yells for him to help her with the packages she's carrying. The ladies in the tub with Dr. Elliot giggle, but he shushes them more. Mrs. Elliot Mrs. Elliot continues to bang on the door, and then decides that he must have had a heart attack, leading to her dropping the packages and running off for help. We then cut to Harriet, played by Tish Ambrose. Tish Ambrose. She's in lingerie, making herself up in the mirror and checking herself out. She drops some stuff and crawls around a bit, and then looks out the window, scanning the nearby windows. Harriet puts on a record that appears to be of sex sounds, and then she lays on the couch and looks out the window into the other windows across from her as she starts to rub her clit and finger her vagina and asshole. Mm-hmm. She has a very large like mole on one of her breasts. Yes, she does. Her pussy is incredibly red. 
<laughs> I didn't notice that. But. I think maybe I've been watching these on a different TV. It might need some color adjustment. Okay. <laughs> Uh, this continues for a bit, and she's talking to herself a bit, seemingly to an unknown watcher, and says things like, You want to see that, don't you? She's on the way to orgasm when the light in the room dims as we see that Anne has closed the curtain. So again, Charlie's wife Anne is here. Yeah. And uh, apparently Harriet is her sister. She walks in on her masturbating. And this is like a... They don't all live together, I don't think. I, think I don't this is, think so. It doesn't seem like that. This is um, Harriet's apartment. Yeah. And Anne just wanders in, and random, uh, unannounced. Yeah. You could be bare-ass naked fingering yourself. It's not going to stop Anne from coming in. No, apparently not. Anne tells Harriet that one day she's going to attract some sort of nutcase and get hurt. Harriet yells at Anne that she was just about to come. Anne tells Harriet that she can't keep masturbating like this just because she has fantasies she can't fulfill. Harriet <laughs> counters that Anne has both a husband and a lover and asks if Anne ever thinks about fucking them both at the same time. Anne suggests Harriet should see Dr. Elliot more often, and Harriet says that she's supposed to see Dr. Elliot tonight. Uh-oh. Anne lectures Harriet more, asking if Dr. Elliot's wife is going to be driving them around. Anne is really... She's really judgmental. judgmental. Very hypocritical, too, it seems like. You know what? I haven't given one in a while. Bonk of the week for Anne. (laughs) Harriet tells Anne that Dr. Elliot loves her more than anyone else, and suggests that she and Dr. Elliot could go to a posh restaurant and meet celebrities or take a walk in the park and make love in the grass. And as she's talking, Harriet starts to play with herself and Anne walks off in her judgmental manner. Meanwhile, Charlie's naked and sleeping in bed while the hookers empty his wallet and take off. We then cut to a couple of ladies in coat check. One is smoking and taking off her pantyhose, telling the other lady to do the same and asking if she's scared. The smoking lady leading the conversation is credited as the coat check lady, played by Chelsea Blake. She's later referred to as Iris. Uh, She's alongside Janice, played by Tyja Ray. Doc shows up with a trumpet and hands it to his friend who's there with him, along with some coins for the jukebox. Doc makes his way into the coat check booth. He asks Iris if Janice is the new one that she's breaking in. Iris just tells him to stop asking questions. Is it Halloween or is it, uh, I think this is just like the general sex club decor to have old Halloween decorations up? Uh, I don't know. I didn't notice any Halloween decorations. Well, they're everywhere. They're the nice retro ones uh, my parents used to have. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think like there's a witch that I definitely remember like hanging up like in our window (laughs) for years. Excellent. Uh, Yeah. Doc and Iris sink down to the floor and he kisses Iris on the chest. Iris tells Janice to join in before bending over and starting to suck Doc's cock as he's sitting on the floor. Oh, Doc cock? Yes, Doc Cock. That's my favorite Spider-Man villain. <laughs> uh, I think it's kind of dumb to have a character named Doc, a character named Doc, and a character named Doctor Elliot in the same film. Yeah, I could see that. It's a little confusing. It is. So Janice and Doc make out for a bit, and then Janice takes over sucking Doc's cock. We hear a pinball table running in the background as an MC introduces. Johnny Motor and the Motorola's. As Janice bends over to continue to suck Doc off, Iris starts to finger and lick Janice from behind. Soon, Doc takes over and starts to fuck Janice doggy style as she sucks on Iris's breast and Iris plays with herself. Hope no one needs a jacket. Yes. Iris peels down her panties as Janice goes down on her. Iris tells her that she's learning to use her tongue and to take that cock of his. Janice lays on the ground, and Doc straddles her chest and shoves his cock in Janice's mouth, beginning to fuck it. Doc then lifts himself and fucks Iris as she's, like, 
spider walking her body above Janice. Mm-hmm. The guy playing pinball nearby cranes his head to look around and see what's happening as he's obviously hearing all this fucking going on. Yes, and that is uh, our director. It is. <laughs> so that's the second week in a row our director has also made an appearance. Yes. The character. Uh, not quite as impactful as Dr. Carlos Tobolina. <laughs> no. But, you know. Uh, Doc says that he's going to get his nut, and he pulls out and <laughs> wants to come in Janice's mouth. Janice, in turn, tells him to come on her tits and not her dress. So, he comes on her tits and her dress. We cut to a shot of the skyline and hear the answering machine for Dr. Elliot. We cut to Harriet hanging up the phone, seemingly upset. We then cut to Dr. Elliot pacing around. Mrs. Elliot is sitting on a couch nearby talking about going out to dinner and running into people. Dr. Elliot's seemingly disinterested. His wife tells him that it's getting late and seems to be gesturing him towards going to bed when the doorbell rings. Dr. Elliot answers the door and it's Harriet. He yells to his wife that it's a patient and he takes her into, I guess, his home office here. Harriet lays down, talking about how she had to see him, showing off her dress as Dr. Elliot calls someone on the phone and tells them he'll be late. Yeah, she's losing it. She asks Dr. Elliot if he feels this too. She tells him it's love and she wants his hard prick. Meanwhile, Dr. Elliot's going through some drawers and containers and pulls out a syringe. Yeah, he's going to hit her ass with the Thorazine. That's what we would do to the patients when they started acting up. Yeah. <laughs> So he sits down on the couch next to Harriet, who's now showing her vagina off, and apparently injects her with uh, the goods, and she passes out. Fuck yeah. I bet that shit feels so good. I bet you feel, like, so warm when you're just asleep. <laughs> Man, I wish I had like, some stuff to shoot into my veins. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. You think our listeners have any of that? Probably some of them. Well, if you got some, you know, braincoatreport at gmail.com. <laughs> Mrs. Elliot walks in and asks what's going on. Dr. Elliot tells her that he gave her an injection and she's going to be out for an hour. He explains that while he doesn't like to discuss these things, he tells his wife that this is an acute case of nymphomania. Dr. Elliot tells his wife that he needs to go to the pharmacy and get this prescription so that she has it in the morning. His wife asks why she can't get it herself and he tells her that they need it now. He then tells his wife that they need to contact Harriet's sister, Ann Bartlett. After he leaves, Mrs. Elliot hears Harriet moaning, asking Dr. Elliot to make her come again, and telling him, you know, that she loves him. Yeah. Mrs. Elliot says, you bastard, and calls Charlie's place. He's in bed with Ann, and takes the call. He says, not again, and takes down some information, and tells her that he'll be there as soon as he can so he's back from atlantic city yes he's back from atlantic city and having to deal with ann's crazy sister great so we cut to dr elliot and he's with carol cross and sharon kane again they tell him to be quiet so their parents don't hear them oh no he asks what's wrong and they say that they thought that he forgot about them, so Sharon Kane's like crying and sobbing. Yeah, and has a doll. Yeah. Very strange. He tells them that they didn't need to drag their father into this, noting that he could lose his practice, so they seem to be maybe blackmailing him. Yeah, there's uh, there's some mention of Dr. Berkeley and his two daughters earlier when uh, Elliot and his wife were having a conversation. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. They tell him he just needs to show up whenever they need him. So they team together to suck Dr. Elliot's cock as Sharon continues to cry. We then see Charlie show up at the Elliot home and is greeted by Mrs. Elliot, who offers him a drink, but Charlie says he needs to get Harriet home so his wife doesn't worry. Charlie walks into Dr. Elliot's uh, office and finds Harriet passed out on the couch. Mrs. Elliot says that she came in like this and asks Charlie if he finds Harriet beautiful. Charlie doesn't seem to know how to react to that question. Mrs. Elliot then reveals Harriet's vagina and licks Charlie's fingers before rubbing them on Harriet's vagina. 
He asks if he enjoys Harriet's breasts and then reveals her own and asks if he likes hers better. She tells Charlie to go deeper, fingering her, and then asks which vagina he likes more. Mrs. Elliot is fingering Harriet as uh, she continues to play with herself and she tells Charlie to undress and stand up. Mrs. Elliot sucks Charlie's cock as she continues to finger Harriet. We then see Charlie fucking Harriet's theoretically sleeping mouth. We cut to the ladies with Dr. Elliot, Sharon's deep-throating his cock. Sharon then bends over and leans against the wall. Carol tells him, Come on, fuck that little bitch. And Dr. Elliot fucks Sharon, standing doggy style. Carol blows Dr. Elliot some more and strokes his cock. He then comes on Sharon's face. Charlie's still fucking Harriet's mouth, meanwhile, at the Elliot home. As Mrs. Elliot goes down on Harriet and kisses Charlie. Mrs. Elliot lays on top of Harriet and Charlie fucks her mouth as he goes down on her. Mrs. Elliot tells Charlie that she wants Harriet now and that she wants him to watch, so... She takes off Harriet's heels and stockings and plays with her clit a bit as Harriet's moaning. Harriet moans for Howard, again Dr. Elliot, to fuck her. Mrs. Elliot says Howard isn't here and fingers her. Mrs. Elliot asks if she wants two fingers and Harriet moans that she wants the whole fist. Mrs. Elliot unfortunately only answers a couple of fingers. Yeah, so do, we, do we get a whole fist? And no. the answer is no. She, uh... Harriet herself almost got a whole fist in there earlier when she was on the couch. Yeah, she was. She, she, was she, got, the, she got like the four fingers in, you know, the little the pyramid kind of thing. Yeah. She's the trying. Beak. The beak. Yeah, she's <laughs> trying. But uh, Mrs. Elliot asks Charlie to feel how wet Harriet is. She then lays back on top of Harriet again, and Charles gets on top, fucking Harriet a bit, and then Mrs. Elliot a bit. He goes back and forth, fucking the two of them, and after a bit. Of the back and forth, Charlie pulls out and comes on Mrs. Elliot's pubes. We then cut to Anne in bed with Charlie returning home. And then we see Dr. Elliot returning home. He asks his wife if she called the Bartlets. She tells him they came and they left. Dr. Elliot pulls out the pills and asks, what about these pills? And Mrs. Elliot shrugs. We then see Anne with Charlie... She tells Charlie that Harriet's psychiatrist took advantage of her. Charlie says, you're kidding. What happened? She tells him that she fell asleep on his sofa and he fucked her. And he adds that Harriet told her it was the best sex she ever had. I guess that's fine. So then the doorbell rings and Charlie lets Doc in. Doc says, so this is the prize, looking at Anne. I've almost forgotten about this. Yeah. Anne asks what he means, and Doc confirms that Charlie didn't tell her, so Doc explains that in a poker game a couple of weeks ago, Charlie ran out of money and made a wager, and and Charlie explains here that he bet her. Anne is obviously flustered. Charlie asks Anne if she's got $500, and Doc says he was serious. He had $1,000 on the table, and Charlie just asks him to leave. Anne tells him that she's not going anywhere with Doc and says that he must be a con artist that tricked Charlie. Doc says Charlie's the one who made the bet, which is true. It is true. And then adds, oh yeah, those girls Leslie and Linda Lou, they say hi. Charlie says, those girls robbed me and took my credit cards. And he makes an excuse, I was drinking. Anne says, two girls, that's ridiculous. She says, there's no way Charlie did that. Did you? And Charlie doesn't answer. And then the phone rings, and Anne answers it. On the other end, it's Mrs. Elliot. We don't hear what she says, but then Anne hangs up and asks Charlie if he fucked Harriet and Mrs. Elliot. Charlie says no. Well, yes. But I didn't like it. <laughs> so Anne turns to Doc and says, Well, what exactly did you have in mind? So we get a shot of Charlie's unimpressed face before cutting to Anne sucking Doc's cock. He says, oh yeah, play that cornet. Yeah. Which, uh, it's good. 
That's a it's a horn. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. a real horn. Lots of close-ups on some really hard sucking for man. She sucks and strokes him for a while. He encourages her to take it in her mouth. Anne then mounts Doc, cowgirl, as Charlie watches on. Anne lays down and Doc fucks her missionary for a bit. He leans her on the side and continues to stuff her for a while. And then they move into more of a doggy position. Doc then fucks her missionary for a bit more and then pulls out to come on her chest. She sucks his cock a bit more. As Doc dresses, Anne kisses his back. Doc says he's got a gig at a wedding in New York and he has to get home to get some sleep. What does he do? He's a hornsman. Oh, that's right. That's why he's talking about his cornet. Yeah, and earlier on he had like a trumpet or something that he handed okay. to his friend before he went oh. to the coat check. Okay, all right. Okay. It's they didn't do any kind of like devil's honey type stuff, so No. <laughs> I just it, it slipped by me, I suppose. But yeah, he's got to play at a wedding, and he's going to go home to get some sleep. Anne asks if that's all he has to say about that, and Doc says, Charlie paid his debt, and after all, she's married. Doc says, tell you what, Charlie's a lucky guy. Anne says, so am I. She's a lucky guy? I guess. Well, all right. That, that was the exact lines. <laughs> Charlie's a lucky guy, and Anne says, so am I. Yeah, that's what my, that's what my note was said. Yeah. <laughs> And then we cut to the end over a shot of the Atlantic City beach and boardwalk. And that was Climax! Whoa. Uh, I guess that's a... He learned his lesson about not screwing around, you think? Perhaps. If nothing else, perhaps he at least learned his lesson not to bet his wife. Yeah, that would... Maybe he'll be less of a degenerate gambler maybe probably not he'll probably have to not. sell a bunch of bibles <laughs> yeah uh to uh keep up this lifestyle that he has developed for himself yes this very sinful lifestyle that he's supporting with his bible sales it's ironic isn't it, it seems to be how that usually works out and a little erotic oh yeah yeah all right well we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to give our final thoughts on climax Hello, Mrs. Bartlett. Guess what your old man did. What? Charlie, did you fuck Harriet and some, some woman, Dr. Elliot's wife? I was... Not, not, not exactly, dear. I, I, it, it, I, no. Yes, but I didn't enjoy it. God. Well, what exactly did you have in mind? Well. Jeremy, have you ever had to make a big bet? Yeah. Um. Made a big bet, and I lost uh, pretty much everything. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's fine, though. I had to go on a like a journey of vengeance, and I reclaimed it all. Oh, okay. Well, then it all worked out in the end. Yeah, but people were still mad at me because I made that bet to begin with. <laughs> They're like, you, we wouldn't have had to do any of that if you could just control your impulses. Well. And now I'm in a program. Well, that's good. Charlie probably needs to get in a program himself. Maybe that's what that movie Charlie Bartlett is about, is about oh, him getting his yeah. life together. Perhaps. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. It's, uh, there aren't enough uh, films that kind of just spin off from uh, pornogra- pornographic films. There aren't enough, like, you know, like uh, character dramas and things like that. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't happen very often. But one thing that does happen at least once a week is the raincoat review. <laughs> this, uh, you know, I'm usually a, quite a fan of uh, Hunt of uh, Henry Pichard's work. Yeah, uh, I named a couple that I enjoyed uh, earlier off the top of my head, and uh, just 
to go over those again, you know, you got classics like uh, Public Affairs mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Devil and Miss Jones Part 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, you have some stuff that's, uh, or, uh, you know, like Matinee Idol. But then you have some stuff that's a, a little more middling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not quite there. Uh, you know, you're some people really like Mascara. I didn't love it. But uh, that, Showdown, things like that. I think this film sort of falls between those two categories. Sure. It's a bit more of a of a middle-grounded kind of film. Like, this is one where you can tell he spent quite a bit of time on the, uh, I feel like on the sex. Like, it is an erotic film. Yeah. Um, like, they, there's a lot of, like, uh, you know, they spend a lot of time dirty talking. Yeah. Uh, a lot of time cutting back and forth cross scenes. <clears throat> but one thing I like about Pichard's films typically is how they're able to pretty ably handle both story and smut. Yeah. This one I feel like leans a little hard to the sm- a little harder on the smut than I would like. Sure. Um, and some of that comes from them just not setting anything up in the film at all to, uh, where, like, I could follow along. Like, I knew who the characters were, but I didn't really know why I was supposed to care or why we would cut to them at any particular time. Right. Uh, one thing I'll say, and it's not, like, the quality of the film itself, is that this uh, kind of gives me acid flashbacks. <laughs> uh, when you're on acid, you have a sense of... Uh, it's just like your understanding is like constantly like slipping away just like from moment to moment. Okay. You're not quite sure why things are happening like the way they are to you. Like you're like, why am I trying to do this? This doesn't make sense. Right. Uh, there's something like that to this just in how often like it flips to like the next thing or back and forth. Okay. To where you can't really get like a good purchase on the film. Uh, it just becomes kind of a, uh, it's just sort of a fuck fest by the end. Uh, and I just feel like it, it, uh, it lacks some of the craft of some of his better films. Okay. I would say that that sort of feeling can be good in a film that's meant to be, you know, psychedelic or anything like that. But this film isn't. It seems to be a pretty straightforward drama comedy. Sure. I'm not really sure which of those it's really aiming for either. Um, ultimately, I think that could be a problem. It feels like some things are missing. Uh, like I said, but that could be like an effect of things just not being set up properly. Sure. Uh, you know, at the end, we do see Eric Edwards chagrin for his uh, his bad behavior. But Anne's also pretty bad. And yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if it's like a... So on mascara, I feel like I personally misunderstood it. Like I know you'd kind of explained to me that it it's it's fairly subtle, but like it's kind of like this realization that uh, Serena, whoever it was, uh, like loves ladies. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's something like that in this film that I'm missing, or if it's just very straightforward and there's just not enough to it to really have something there to grasp. But uh, this film left me feeling like pretty indifferent to it. Uh, aside from some of the the pleasant visuals and uh, the solid the solid cast, there really wasn't much here for me that really uh, really got me engaged at any point. I will say I'll, I'll contrast this to last week's film. Uh, Come under my spell. Sure. This film. On a professional and technical level, I think exceeds that film in pretty much every way. Right. Like you've got a, a better director, you've got more star power, uh, the sex is more erotic, but there's just something lacking. Uh, it doesn't have any, it doesn't feel like it's a film with any kind of real personality or identity. It could be uh, about a dozen other films we watched, and as nice as it looks, I've seen a dozen other films like it. Sure. Um, I would give this one a two and a half. I was not a big fan of it. Uh, I expected more going in. Uh, Okay. Yeah. You know, um, I've reasoned it out. Maybe you can convince me otherwise. Uh, I don't, 
I don't disagree you heavily. Have to. Uh, I would say that I think I might have liked it a little bit more than you did. But uh-huh. I, I mean, I agree with generally the the idea that the narrative isn't incredibly fleshed out. Like, yeah. it all makes sense, but there isn't a whole lot of time spent to, like, make you care about the characters. Yeah. There's not, like, a character that you're really pulling for. No, no There's one's... There's not, like... There aren't really stakes set up where there's a payoff to them. Just a bunch of things happen. Right. Like, that's what I said. Like, there's not... The only thing we really have established is that eventually is Joey Silvera is going to fuck his wife. Right. Um, and that is about three minutes at the beginning of the film and about ten minutes at the end. Sure. And there's about 70 more minutes of stuff happening that really, like, there's no... There's just, like, nothing, like, linking any of these characters together, really, like, in any way that makes me care that I would have to watch a film about both of these people's lives. Okay, fair enough. Like, what's her... Harriet is Dr. Elliot's patient and Anne's sister. Yes. And that's, like, the link. Sure, yeah. But she's in, like, a very small part of the film... Yeah. And just a way that, I don't know, there's just something about it that I expect more, I think, from him. Okay. And uh, I'm allowed to be disappointed in a director. Sure. It's like when I saw, uh, what was it? One of those Star Warses. Okay. It's like those. This movie's okay. a lot, and I'd say this movie's a lot like Attack of the Clones 2. It's too political. Too long. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say that... I think that this film excels just as a fuck film and oh, on those terms. Sure. It's good. Like there's there's some nice dirty sex. Yeah, good, definitely. Some dirty talking. Uh and different angles to the sex. It's not all the same kind of sloppy sex. It's yeah, different kinds. I was I would say like the sex is definitely the standout of the film. Yeah. But I, I'll agree in the sense that like we've seen on Pichard films that had a lot more uh, effort put into the narrative piece of things. And the, I would again say that the narrative here makes logical sense, but again, it's not set up in a way to make you care a whole lot about it. And that's kind of the sticking point to it. Yeah. And, you know, I will say that this is certainly far from uh, Pichard's best work because of that. But I enjoyed watching it. I think that it's a good fuck film on those terms. Mm -hmm. And the plot isn't terrible, and I wasn't bored. It's just ultimately it was just functional. Yeah. And I can see where you would expect more from one of his films. Uh, I've just seen better functional films, too. Sure. As well. So, you know, it's just one of those things. A rare rare miss. Uh, I'd give it three stars. Well, that's all right. That's what you that's what you like to do. Yeah, it is what I like to do. I like to give this film three stars. I think of you as a three-star man. And I think that's fair. Oh, three-star boss. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, uh, yeah, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Raincoat Report. RaincoatReport at gmail.com if you want to uh, email us. If you want to pay us $5 a month <laughs> to help support the show, Patreon.com slash Raincoat Report. You get two bonus episodes, early access to our episodes. Uh, This week we are once again covering uh, X Hamster's The Sex Factor. Mm -hmm. And uh, things get a bit dramatic and wild. And uh, there'll be a lot to talk about. A pair of particularly awkward episodes. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I guess that'll be it for this week. Um, If you're down there in Atlantic City, betting hard betting off your wife don't forget your raincoat yeah yeah that's where you would probably need it because it's probably wet (laughs) it sounds wet to me it's a wet place it sounds wet it's wet vegas (laughs) i gotta get going i got an early morning gig and i gotta get some sleep you know what i mean it's a wedding in newark is that all you can say after this what do you want me to say we had great sex. Charlie paid his debt. And you seemed to enjoy yourself. Yeah, I did. Don't go. It's late. You're married, kid. 
Tell you what, Charlie's a lucky guy. So am I. Thank you.